Welcome back to a, another episode of Mayhem in the Mid-South. This is going to be episode two, Serial Rampage. This episode's going to cover the serial killer George Howard Putt, who operated in the Memphis area in 1969. George Putt's career as a serial killer was short, but brutally bloody. Over a span of less than a month, he butchered five people so savagely that it was only years later that people began to learn the true nature of Putt's crimes and the sickening acts that some of his victims endured even after death. In my mind, some of his actions were reminiscent of the Boston Strangler, who ran amok in the early 1960s. Putt lived with his wife at 642 Bethel. That's two houses west of Thomas, and one block south of Chelsea. He drove a 1964 Chevrolet Impala four-door, white in color. He worked at the Hughes Oil Company, which at the time was at Bellevue and Madison down in the hospital district. He was 23 years old. Now there's rumors he did a killing down in Jackson, Mississippi before coming to Memphis. A fella down there got stabbed multiple times. But the police down there couldn't get enough evidence to charge him. The killings began in Midtown Memphis at 1133 South Cooper. Now that was the apartment of Roy and Bernalyn Dumas. Now Mr. Dumas, he'd been a Silver Star recipient during World War II and he had received some disabling wounds during that war. Now, Miss Dumas, she was a nurse at Baptist East Hospital. Don't know exactly how he got in, but on August 14th, 1969, Putt's able to get inside the, their residence. Now, he forces both of them into the guest bedroom, and he ties Mr. Dumas up with his suspenders, ties up his hands and his feet. And then he strangles Mr. Dumas to death with a sock. Then Putt takes Miss Dumas, takes her into the master bedroom, ties her hands and feet to the bedpost, and he strangles her with one of her stockings from her nursing uniform. And oh, by the way, he'd also mutilated her private areas with a pair of scissors. Now, I don't know if all that mutilation was before or after death. Now, his final act of lunacy was he took a table lamp and he set it on top of Miss Dumas's body. 
and he positioned it so that the light would cast a gruesome B-rated horror movie-like effect on her body. And I'm sure that was for the shock effect for whoever found the bodies. Now, the police commissioner at the time, he called it the most atrocious and revolting crime he'd seen in years. Now, before Putt left, he took Miss Dumas's purse. Now, unfortunately, the person that found the, the bodies was their son, Michael. I can't even imagine nightmares he's had over the years since that's happened. On August 25th, just 11 days later, Putt struck again. This time, the victim was an 80-year-old lady named Leela Jackson. She lived at 21 North Somerville. Now, Miss Jackson was a widow, and she converted uh, the house she lived in into a four-unit apartment. And it was next to the Memphis Medical Center. Now, about a week before the crime, Pud had actually walked over to her house from his job. If you'll recall now, he was working at the Hudson Oil Station, South Bellevue. So he walks over to Miss Jackson's apartment house, and he asked her about renting an apartment. Now, of course, by doing this, it gives Pud a chance to scope out the house and see the layout and maybe see how he can beat the locks on the door. In any event, on the night of the 25th, he gets into the apartment house through the front door. He gets Miss Jackson and he ties her to the bedpost and he strangles her with a stocking. Then he gets a butcher's knife out of the kitchen and he mutilates Miss Jackson's private areas. And as you might guess, before he left, he found a reading lamp, set it over the body to create that same lighting effect. He laid the butcher's knife on the nightstand and then he left. Now in this case, the body was found by Miss Jackson's grandson. Now when the police get there, obviously as soon as they see the lamp and the mutilation, they know it's their boy because obviously the police did not release details of the first murder about the lamp and the mutilation. So as soon as they see it, they know it's him. 
Now the homicide chief, a fella named Robert Cochran, he said later that when I saw that lamp, I was the loneliest bastard that ever lived. On August 29th, just four days later, 21-year-old Glenda Sue Harden, who had been a graduate of Kingsbury High School, she had recently gotten engaged. Well, she was employed as a typist for Jackson Life Insurance, which was located there on Front Street and Court. She just left work. She walked west on Court Street. She crossed Riverside Drive to the cobblestone landing where she had parked her Ford Mustang. Now, for whatever reason, George Putt had decided uh, that particular area was a good place to look for a victim. He's sitting on the cobblestones in his white Chevy. Now, when Miss Harden is trying to unlock her car to get in it, Putt comes up behind her and puts a knife to her throat, forces her into the car, and then puts her down in the front floorboard. Now, Putt drives southbound on Riverside in Miss Harden's Mustang. When he gets down to Person, he hangs the right and goes westbound on Person into Riverside Park. Now, once he gets inside the park, tied her hands behind her back with pantyhose and then he stabbed her 14 times all about the head and neck chest, back he then hides her body under a piece of plyboard he drives back to cobblestones on Riverside there around Monroe left her car took her purse, and then he drove off in his Impala. Now the next morning, the police find her car, and then later that day, the police find her body in Riverside Park. It's September 11, 1969. George Putt has already murdered four people. The city of Memphis is in an absolute panic. 135 detectives and officers with the Memphis Police Department are working this case. The police Department says it's the largest manhunt in their city's history. $20,000 reward has been offered and Back then, that was a lot of money. Now, on this particular day, Putt has chosen an apartment building at 41 North Bellevue to get him a victim. And 
he is actually going door to door. Now, this is in the evening time, early evening. In fact, it's the middle of the day. So I'm just wondering if Putt decided he was going to go on his lunch break. In any event, he's knocking on doors. Nobody's coming to the door letting him in. Now, Christine Pickens, she was a receptionist for a dental office. She had taken uh, the afternoon off. She was 59 years old that day. So she's coming home to her apartment there on the La Blanche building, 41 North Bellevue. And, and she's getting to her door. Pup was just leaving the door of one of her neighbors, he sees her going into her apartment, so he bum rushes her. Now, as soon as he grabs her and pushes her inside, she's no fool. She knows what's happening now. So she starts screaming, murder, don't do it, don't kill me. So neighbors are hearing this. Now, one of them, uh, Emma Gross, who's a nurse, she lives in the apartment above Miss Pickens. She runs down the stairs. Now, when she gets to the bottom of the stairs, Putt's coming out of the apartment, and he is covered in blood. And he's got an ice pick in his hand, and one of Miss Pickens' stockings in the other hand and the purse. Now, for whatever reason, Putt didn't stab this neighbor. He just threw the purse down and took off. Well, now, this Miss Gross, she's hollering, and she finally wakes up a fella there in the apartment named Wayne Armstrong who was taking a nap, so he was a midnight shift fella. So now Mr. Armstrong, he grabs his pistol and he takes off after Putt. Now Mr. Armstrong's wearing only his underwear, and he doesn't see very well because he's left his glasses there on the nightstand, so he's chasing Putt with his pistol in his underwear. And he's cranking off rounds at Putt. And this is the middle of the day now in Memphis. Now, during this chase, there's other people getting involved. So now we got three civilians chasing this serial killer. He runs to a fence, Putt does, and he scales a security fence. And he ran down North Bellevue. Then he turns and he runs back west on Madison Avenue. Then he jumps down from the overpass there where they're constructing I-240. He jumps down a little bit and he now he's now running down the it's still unopened I-240 so he runs southbound 
got still got the citizens trying to find him. Police have taken notice of the gunfire and half-naked civilians running around, and now they're in on the chase. Now, during this chase, he's running down a street called uh, Pasadena Place. And at 217 Pasadena Place, he takes that stocking, he takes that ice pick, and he jams the ice pick into the wall of that apartment. So you got the hose hanging by the ice pick. Well, then he runs another half block or so down on the Linden. And finally, a couple police officers catch him. Of course, it wasn't hard since he's covered in blood. I, I think they probably kind of figured out that this fellow needed to be stopped. Now, Miss Pickens has died of the multiple stab wounds. 20 stab wounds. So the police have taken Putt into custody there on Linden. And they're going to transport him down to the police building. They found his car. His Chevy was parked at 1177 Madison in the parking lot. So evidently he had parked there and then walked northbound, go to 41 North Bellevue. Kind of odd that Putt all of a sudden changed his M.O. and decided to strike in the middle of the daytime instead of at night. Now, Putt confesses to all the murders within just a couple of days. Now, he claims the motive was robbery. But if you read little bit of the history on Putt and his, the life he had. He, he lived a pretty miserable life. It was definitely more to it than just robbery. And he claims he just picked his victims at random. Now, of course, later on, Putt, he recants all his confessions, but they try him for the murder of Miss Pickens and he's sentenced to death. And then the Sentences later commuted to 99 years. Well, prosecution, prosecutors decide that, okay, well, we're going to make sure he doesn't get out, so they try him for the Dumas murders. And when it's all said and done, Putt gets 497 years in prison, which is one of the longest prison sentences ever given out in the state of Tennessee. And... Happily, in 2015, George Howard Putt dies of natural causes, still confined to only prison there in West Tennessee, a little north-northeast of Jackson, Tennessee.